A reading from John 15, 24-25 If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. This, uh, I've always been fascinated by they hated me without reason because to me that implies sort of inherent injustice. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes when somebody has wronged you, hatred kind of wells up in you almost automatically because you hate the injustice that has been done to you. And then in Psalm 35, uh, it, it really, uh, I th- it, it could be one of the places he is quoting. It says, let not those rejoice over me who are, wrong, who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. So it, 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 Jesus is reflecting back on that, and, and that is mentioned several times, this, this incredible injustice that exists in this, wor- this world. And again, it's the world that Jesus is talking about, the world where injustice reigns, not justice. It's interesting, as you use the idea of inherent injustice, um, it made me think of the fact that for justice to be done on our behalf, inherent injustice had to be done. And you think about it that um, the justice nature of God that he's judge, that he can't just wink at sin. If he were to simply cover over sin without paying the penalty for sin, um, there's something lacking in that. God doesn't justify our sin. He sends his son to be the one who stands in the gap to take our sin on. There, there is a payment that needs to be made. There is a punishment that needs to happen. And we rightfully should get that punishment. But he has taken it upon himself. You know, God doesn't turn and kind of wink at it. He doesn't excuse it. He enters into it fully. And for justice to be fulfilled, inherent injustice had to be done to God. He sends the perfect one, the innocent one, who comes and carries our sin. And, I mean, just the way you said it, it just struck me. Um, the innocent one carries my, my punishment. I almost feel like there's not hardly anything to say beyond that, that... Um, I feel culpable. I recognize my sin. I recognize my rebellion. I recognize how the the character of God uh, and what He puts into me is not being released. We pray this prayer every Sunday. Uh, Lord, uh, forgive me. I have not taken full advantage of Your gracious presence in my life. That alone, God's gracious presence. And to think about it, so what does God do? He doesn't stand over at me kind of with His hands on His hips and saying, you know, look at you. He enters into it himself through his son and through inherent injustice. The one who deserved to be treated correctly on this world doesn't get treated by the religious people for my sake. The gospel, you just, you just condensed the entire gospel message in, in what you just said. And for many people who are just coming to Christ and they look at the cross and they, they see the symbols there, but they don't quite get the message right away of what you're saying. I think the other problem that many people like me faced is 
it wasn't so much I was a deceiver, I was. I was a self-deceiver. And so uh, putting off the reality of the burden of sin I was carrying was my strategy. I, I, I did not confess. I did not, I would sort of find an excuse, a reason to do, uh, to continue on that was uh, not only self-deception, it was self-justification. But again, the key word was self. And, and your message is a much more profound one because it, it, it is the one that opens us up to genuine community, genuine relationship, genuine love that comes from God. And it's liberating. I can live today not in fear, not in performance, but out of gratitude and ask God to release what we've talked about in the last couple of days, his love into other people to help them bridge into a vibrant relationship with him.